This is the O'Reilly Hardware Podcast. I'm Brian Jepson. This is a special episode brought to you as part of a collaboration between O'Reilly and Samsung. Our guests today are Mark Wright, the Director of Product Management at Samsung Strategy and Innovation Center. Welcome, Mark. Hello. Thank you, Brian. Good to be here. And Darren Beck, author of the newly published O'Reilly Report, Smart Business, Gaining an Edge Through IoT-Powered Sustainability. Darren was previously the Director of Environmental Initiatives for Sprint. Welcome, Darren. Thanks, Brian. Great to be here today with you and Mark. I'm an editor with O'Reilly Media focusing on the intersection of programming, electronics, and the physical world. In my spare time, I explore and experiment with microcontroller boards like Arduino and tiny computers like Raspberry Pi. The sorts of things I like to do with them, use sensors, motors, and lights to monitor and interact with the real world, and connect this all to other devices over the internet, sounds a lot like what people call the Internet of Things. The Internet of Things at first sounds vague, hand-wavy. What do we mean by things? Are shoes a thing? How about people? Are toys a thing? Cars? I could just keep rattling off everyday objects, but everything I can think of Somebody's instrumented it. Somebody's connected it at least once. So things it is. The Internet of Things is here, and I'm here with Mark and Darren to talk about what the Internet of Things means for sustainability. Everything that can be connected, measured, and monitored offers up opportunities. We can measure performance against our expectations. How quickly did a delivery car get from the restaurant to the customer? Was the pizza hot? when it was delivered. But there's more to this, isn't there, Darren? Assuming we can monitor everything that uses resources, how does that help us save energy and money? And what does that actually get us? I agree, Brian. This is you know a wonderful age we've kind of come into where every business today, small and large, you know, has uh, has inefficiencies built into you know our operations. We do the best we can to optimize them, but there's a lot we don't know. I mean, we can't keep track of every single piece of those operations unless today, as we start looking at the power of of the Internet of Things, we can we can put out in some ways these sentinels you know these are, these are these are devices these are products and solutions that uh that can begin kind of expanding our senses out uh and, and bringing that into our business to kind of highlight these hidden inefficiencies in in, in our operations and you know, my background you know, being in the sustainability space you know so much of that is about really kind of using the resources we draw upon as companies much more efficiently, right? Kind of eschewing the waste out of the system. And that can be how much electricity we use or natural gas or fuel and water and so on. All of those have kind of this environmental footprint to them. And the more efficiently we can use them, certainly that not only uh, helps us to be better stewards of, of, uh, of our planet, but even more importantly, you know, the opportunity to cut costs for our business. You talk about inefficiencies. How much of a savings are we talking about here? Are we talking about 1%, a fraction of a percent, 10%? What, what are you seeing? Great question, Brian. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a wide range, you know, to depending on how much of an investment you want to make and, and how much you're deploying in terms of sensors in the solution that you have there and, and how well that technology is networking with other devices, other solutions in, in kind of your local ecosystem. That could be, you know, on, on kind of for a small investment, maybe five to 10% in terms of your savings on those resources. 
but with some of the, the more sophisticated systems, and of course that's going to come with a little bit more of an investment, you could be seeing you know, your, your opportunity to cut some of those resources in half or maybe a little more. How important is it for sustainability? How much money can one small business save by adopting this? And what is that going to have a big impact on the economy? Each of those small businesses have to be considered in, in I think, the, uh, the aggregate, right? When you think about that's nearly 90% of the, uh, of the businesses that are out there tend to kind of fall into that small business category. Collectively, they can have a huge impact, right? But what we need to pay attention to, to your point, Brian, is that small businesses are just that. They, they don't have large reserves of cash to draw upon for the most part have large reserves of, of talent and employees to draw upon. They do the best they can with what uh, limited resources that they have. So in some ways, you know, the Internet of Things it, it can begin augmenting some of that for them, right? Being able to, to pay attention to parts of the shop or parts of the business that, uh, that they may not have the time or the, uh, or the resources to pour into otherwise. And, and when you think about that, so let's, let's think about it in terms of the scale they're working on. If I can save $10,000 um, in my business by shedding you know, that much of my electricity use through kind of greater awareness of where I'm wasting it along the way, that can make a big difference when you consider a lot of these retailers, you know, they're operating on, on pretty skinny margins. You know, you've got folks who are, whether they're grocery stores or auto dealers, or you're selling home furnishings, or maybe even a liquor store, all of these folks are, you know, that I just mentioned are operating under a, a net profit margin of under 3.5% a year. To save that same, or, you know, to come up with that same $10,000 that they save, they have to be pushing about a quarter million dollars of product out the door in terms of sales just to net that same kind of money. So uh, it can make a big difference even, even on the, the scale that they're operating on. Mark, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, thanks, uh, Brian and Darren. Uh, both good points. We at Samsung Arctic uh, believe that IoT is really positioned to help people and companies really solve some of the world's biggest problems. Um, and this might sound, you know, very large, but we believe in this and this whole topic that we're talking about here, sustainability. I mean, obviously that falls right into that. And so I'd really like to look at this from a perspective of how can a platform and specifically the Arctic platform help companies that want to gain from this? How, how can it help them get into that uh, line of business? I love that. You know, Brian, I'm, I'm going to go pick up and run with that. Yeah, here, here's a great opportunity. You're, you're, a, you're say, even a small business, uh, maybe even a manufacturer, and you're coming to find out that, gosh, I can deploy these existing um, you know, solutions that are related to the Internet of Things into my operations. I can, I can save a lot of money in the process. You know, I come away with a better operating margin as, as, a, as an end result. So you're feeling the power of this inside your own business. Let's flip that and say, gosh, you know, wouldn't that be great if you could find some way to begin incorporating the Internet of Things into your own products and solutions so that you can spread some of that love to, uh, to your customers, right? Give them a chance by buying your products and solutions, the ability to take advantage of, of a lot of, you know, the, the, the hidden data, right, the hidden intelligence out there that, uh, that, that they use your product to, to address, bring that to the surface 
help them to better understand, you know, how they can uh, how they can maximize the benefit they get out of what you're selling to them in their business to come away with better operating margins too. Yeah, I, I think on even on that point, the uh, one of the things with IoT, I think we've all heard that IoT is not necessarily one market, but really this uh, conglomeration of a lot of different markets, the technology that's applying to a lot of different markets. And to that point, Darren, I think what you're seeing is um, you're going to see companies, large and small, seeing their competitors do things. But also, you're going to you're going to see smaller companies. What has been done? What has been proven? What savings has come? What sustainability has been achieved by larger companies? And while previously they may have thought that, well, this is you know this is not available to me because I'm a smaller company. I think the opposite is true with IoT. The learning that's that's gotten um, now is kind of in that public domain that can be you know can be applied by a lot of different companies large and small because you can see other people doing these things saving money on some of the things that you wrote in your book right so in in terms of um you know fleet locate telematics saving uh, fuel uh, costs for fleets you know that that would normally be something done by a very large company but now that learning uh brought to you by an IoT company can also be spread to smaller companies so what domains are we talking about applying this to? Manufacturing sort of hops in, in into my mind. Are we talking about improving power usage of a conveyor belt, uh, industrial robots? Are we making sure the lights are off? Is this is this all about operations or, or is there more to it? I think the beauty is there's no limits. I don't think that there is just one domain that this falls into. It's really only limited towards the imagination that either a service company or a uh, or even a manufacturer can bring to it. A lot of it is just connecting the dots to to a great degree. You know, we all I can't I can't count how many times I, I Google something throughout the day, but it's kind of coming into the ability to tap into the uh, into kind of the, the the larger kind of networked world, if that makes sense and draw new insights that you can offer into uh, to your customers, either through the device you're selling or kind of leveraging it through the service that you provide. Tell me, Mark, would you disagree? Is that something that... Uh... No, I, I agree there. And I think one of the reasons is because IoT, it's so wide in its applicability. So initially, you can think of it being um, addressed to a manufacturer of things, right? So someone's building some things. And of course, the, the benefit of having the IoT is now they get to see how that thing is actually being used in in the field when someone buys it, um, right? Which is, hasn't been available before. That information has not been available. Um, and another piece of information that wasn't available before is, well, how is that thing actually behaving, right? And so these two pieces of information are very critical in product management. And so now that manufacturer can see uh, what they, you know, uh, very important criteria, characteristics of that product, which they can then fold back into the next product development. Uh, cycle. But then when that used, there's this information that comes, which uh, which then starts to allow IoT to make um, inroads and, and impacts in other areas. And let me give an example. So again, uh, Darren, on your book, you talk uh, GridPoint, where GridPoint was used by a Burger King franchise, you know, initially to kind of control their power, monitor their power that they were utilizing and hopefully get some advantages from that. But it then spread further, right? They started using it for sub-freezers. They started using it to monitor their HVAC system. Um, and pretty soon, they were 
they were seeing really a 30% um, energy and operational um, uh, operational and maintenance uh, expense savings, right? Because they were able to tie all these things. And you can see that if you put IoT in lighting, well, by turning those lights off when they're not being used, uh, you know, you're saving you're saving significant power. So it it can spread. Uh, Brian, to your point, there, it is in manufacturing, but it can also hit the service industry. Uh, even even one application can uh, provide savings in various different areas. You, you know, and I love kind of, again, Brian, I'm, I'm going to build on what Mark just shared. Uh, there's a service company out there today that essentially is is utilizing uh, smartphone applications. They're, they're kind of taking on the, uh, the, the folks who've been a stalwart of the, uh, of the, the ratings business, Nielsen, who's, who's kind of had that market locked down for a number of years. What they're doing is they're using that smartphone app for folks who are participating in some uh, studies to essentially listen to what, you're, what you've got going on, not only on the TV, say in your living room, but also on the, the tablet you may be streaming you know, Netflix from or whatever, maybe you're listening to, to YouTube videos on your phone, um, they essentially are, are using the smartphone as kind of a receiving device, you know, again, utilizing it as part of the, the Internet of Things to gather data up on viewing behavior on a multimedium spectrum, right, within your house to say, here's what it really looks like when you want to understand what a family of five is doing inside a house and in terms of, of media viewership. So, again, service-based company that is really taking data drawn through the Internet of Things and, and offering it up in a way that, uh, that offers value that, that hasn't been expressed otherwise out there in the marketplace today. Yeah, so that, you know, the fact that you said that was kind of like a Nelson ratings type thing makes it less spooky, right? Because yeah. people know that they're, they're, they're tying into this. But this is a good direction because, you see, this is, I think this is where we're headed to with IoT. With IoT right now, you know, you come home, maybe you have a door lock app, you unlock your door and you go in and, and, and maybe you have some scenes. But really where we want to get to is that background intelligence, right? And so if we're, particularly if we're a business as well, um, yeah, we can get a data dashboard and we can see where things are being used and we can see inefficiencies and we can manually change them and, and improve our, our business, right? And we can get business intelligence. But imagine when these are all interconnected, right? When you have interoperability with the various things that are running in your business or you have interoperability with the various smart things that are running in your home. So um, in, a, in a business situation, you may want to have, you, you may be able to get analytics coming from the background, which is just kind of telling you that, look, there are some savings here by turning off the, you know, the oil cooker after a certain amount of time, because it, it just turns out that it's not used after 3 p.m. And don't, you know, don't keep it running till 8. It's just this automatic things that are coming, that are possible to come. Agreed. Well, one of the things that, that, that I, I enjoyed writing about within the report was uh, a Lexington, Kentucky-based uh, based manufacturer that uh, goes by Big Ass Solutions, and they, uh, they have big ass fans out there. And the, um, the, the beauty that they recognized, and they kind of, they did a very nice job of evolving their product and incorporating the Internet of Things into it by recognizing its own benefits, right? The benefits are uh, by being able to kind of use the fan, you're, you're kind of cooling off the, the human bodies that are, that are in the area. But on its own, it's only so successful to, to Mark's point, if you can interconnect it, right, within that kind of local ecosystem and get it talking 
with the uh, the controls for your heating and your cooling, essentially every uh, every you know degree you can make it feel somewhat cooler to uh, to the people hanging out in the room. You could essentially save about five percent of the energy by you know keeping your your thermostat at the same temperature, right? So for every degree that you can uh, you can keep from having to turn say your thermostat down, right, to make it cooler in the uh, in the summertime. You'd say roughly about five percent of the energy. So the idea for them was we can bring even more value to our customers if we can find some way to get the uh, the fans talking with the, uh, the the heating and cooling system along the way. So again, the more you can get a lot of the systems we depend upon, either as a business or or in our own residence, to to be able to uh, interact intelligently with each other, that helps us to uh, to to optimize things that they can't do on their own. Darren, let's talk a little bit about some concrete use cases. Let's pick an example. Suppose I want a smart sprinkler. I want to only use water when it's needed. What is that? What does that look like? And and is it going to is it something that can save us real money, real resources? That's a it's a fun one. So you know, as as you think through the uh, the sprinkler system, you have to kind of understand first what job is it that we want it to do? You know, we, we say, for instance, a business has a, a landscaped area on the uh, on the outside of the corridor, and uh, you have, gosh, probably different zones. You get some areas where you want to grow some turf, you get some other areas where you get some shrubs and some you know, kind of some flowering perennials along the way. Uh, so you've got to consider how much water in the first place do a, a lot of the plants that are a part of the landscaping need. Beyond that, you got to figure out, you know, what kind of soil is it planted in, right? So sandy soil is going to absorb the water a lot faster than soil that's primarily clay, and each probably has its own sort of absorption rate along the way. And then you have to think about all these other additional variables that come into play that can, uh, that can uh, you know, require certain adjustments. So, for instance, if it's raining outside, well, you sure don't want to have to uh, to, to sprinkle when it's when it's raining. You know, might as well take what uh, what's given from above, right? That's kind of a, a nice uh, a nice freebie. But at the same time, too, it, it's going to be just as important to to understand the weather. Is it is it about to freeze? Well, that could wreak havoc on the system if you if you're trying to uh, to have the irrigation system work during uh, during freezing weather. Um, and you can even think about some of these these unexpected events along the way. Say, for instance. Uh, Somehow or another, a piece of the, 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 the irrigation plumbing has, has found its way to the surface and uh, someone's either stepped on it or driven a vehicle over it or in some way or another, it happens to have cracked. Well, gosh, it would be, it'd be nice to know that, uh, that there is a, uh, a leak in the system and it's pouring gallons into the street. But uh, it would be kind of nice if you had some intelligence built into the system to understand where there were leaks and, and send alerts to the right folks, too. So a lot of it, uh, to, to begin with, as I think about it, Brian, is just understanding the factors, right? Once you get the factors in there, the beauty is you can turn to someone like Mark and, uh, and what Samsung Arctic has to offer to be able to begin then figuring out how do you create a system that, uh, that not only provides some sensory input, but then allows you to, to do the proper analysis and the rest. I'd, I'd love to kind of figure out you know, what, what Mark would do to play with it from there. Yeah, if I was, uh, this is, you know, putting my uh, propeller uh, hat on and thinking through. I think, Darren, you bring up an, a, another good point to something we talked earlier. We mentioned the benefits to a business of IoT. Um, one of the critical points in this progression as a business is thinking about a product like this 
is the second portion that must be dealt with, which is why is that business uh, successful? What are they bringing to the customer? Right? And so at that point, we could look at this. What are we trying to do with this product? Uh, what's the uh, what's the value and why are people going to buy it? Right. So now if it and that is to lead down this avenue in terms of how we should do this, because let me point something out even right at the hardware perspective. It could be a complete greenfield design because we're, we're going to need to get sensor input. Obviously, we're controlling some sprinkler heads that are out there. So a decision needs to be made. Is the technology that we need already available and we just, you know, add to it? Or are we going to do something even even greater to bring value to that customer? And that's why they're going to buy this. As we go higher, obviously, we're going to have to put some sensors out there. So you talked about different zones. Um, we'll need to put some sensors out there to figure out what the the minimum of what the uh, moisture level in the ground is, right? Uh, but we may also want some other things. So what's the what's the temperature um, that's that's occurring there? If it's a you know, and we can get more elaborate in terms of these sensors. Well, how are we going to bring that sensor information back, right? So uh, these are all kind of uh, decisions and, and architecture that needs to be done at the hardware level. We could use very low power wireless technology. Right. Uh, it is outside. Maybe we could use solar technology to have, you know, indefinite powering happening on there. And so it's going to have to come back to some kind of a, a, a gateway or a hub. Right. That's that's taking that information and that information. Now we can we can do some local processing. We can have some local rules or, or um, storage and determining, you know, what which data is pertinent to us. And then we want to send that up to the cloud. Right. And and then we have additional processing occurring there because, well, what's the weather going to be like? Right. So now you can start bringing other data sources in to help make these rules that run, do some analytics um, in terms of how long, you know, for in various seasons I want to, you know, I want to water a particular area. And, and then ultimately you want to give the results of all that to an app. Because whoever's that business owner that's running this, they want to be able to see what's what's being done, what's the decisions that are being made. And you want to give them control as well, because for some reason they may want to turn it off. They don't want to go to the box that's on the wall. You want to give them an app. The manufacturer of this um, is going to be looking at this. And that manufacturer is probably, in this situation, somebody very good at sprinklers. And But we talked about other things. We talked about radio frequency, connectivity. There's transport to the cloud. Obviously, there's going to be security um, in there. There's security in the storage in the cloud. There's app development. These are all different um, development needs, and that's where a platform comes in. A platform offers a lot of that, uh, not the not the work, but it provides the uh, a platform to do that work rather than having to reinvent the wheel or, or buy different um, SDKs, different tools, and then and then do that integration, which then becomes you know something that's that's beyond a lot of companies. But if you give somebody a platform that has all of that um, capable for them to do development, then it makes it easy for them to uh, to approach that market. So let's pick another domain that has some problems we might want to solve. Like, for example, waste management, right? You know, there's a lot of inefficiencies in that system. Every, every Thursday, I'm going to put out two recycling bins, whether they're full or not, and they're Somebody's going to come by and pick those up. Uh, what what can we do? What can we do there? What what inefficiencies can we address in waste management? Can we save money? Can we save time? Can we do a better job? I'm going to say, Brian, I may be weird here, but I I, I got to say I really get excited when I think about trash. 
it is, uh, there's a lot of uncharted territory on that side. It's, it's very much out of sight, out of mind. Uh, not a lot that's been done innovatively in that space. I'm encouraged to see that there is some technology that, uh, that uh, is internet enabled, that, uh, that is beginning to lower the number of truck rolls that go out to, uh, to, to pick up bins. You know, oftentimes, uh, you know, some, there are a lot of accounts these days, small businesses that are setting out their trash and, whether or not it needs to be picked up once a week, whether or not the, the, the bin is completely full, you know, the, the, the truck will roll right along and they'll empty a quarter of a bin if, if that's all there is, but you're getting charged for a full bin. And, uh, and so there's now technology that will provide some sensory data that says, hey, you know what, the bin is full now. We'll send out a custom you know, request to have it picked up, but otherwise the trucks are only going to roll when it needs to be picked up along the way. That, that's helpful. I mean, you're certainly burning a whole lot less fuel uh, as the, 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 the person, you know, the, the company that's picking up the waste along the way to, uh, to make that done. They can reroute a lot of their, their pickups based on where those, uh, those on-demand needs are. But beyond that, you know, there's, there's a lot of inefficiencies still in that system. Um, there is no real reliable data in terms of reporting. Um, you know, the one, the one kind of metric that many, uh, many of the, the, the waste haulers will look to is volume measurements. But gosh, if you're picking up a, uh, you know, a cubic yard of, uh, of food waste, it could be a whole lot heavier than picking up, you know, say a cubic yard that's primarily uh, cardboard boxes and, and the rest. So we don't have any good weight. And frankly, we're not even sure what we're picking up. You know, for the most part, there's very little monitoring going on as to what even goes into those bins. If you're, uh, if you're a large electronics company, you're probably wanting to pay very close attention to make sure that there's no uh, e-waste or electronic waste being put into those bins. That needs to be handled in a very special way and not necessarily going to a landfill. If you're a large clothing retailer, you may want to you know, look at something as simple as making sure that the clothes hangers that the store uses for display aren't going into that waste bin either, because uh, for, you know, for the most part, that can be reused, and that's a, a cost to the business to have to replenish that. So in, in many ways, if we could even monitor what goes into those bins somehow, you can help to, uh, to, to change employee behavior by, uh, by being able to provide coaching and feedback and and, and also, you know, make sure that uh, a lot of the things that could be recycled, you know, get separated out into a, into a stream where those companies can realize the, uh, the, the, the rebate for, uh, for, for the separation that they would go through. Even putting it into a, a mixed recycling stream is better than putting everything in the bin that goes to, to the landfill. Uh, so it's, it's just ripe with inefficiencies. There's a lot of, uh, when we talk about hidden data, there's a lot of hidden data in that waste stream. And there, the more you can bring efficiencies to that, the more you can actually create greater marketplaces for, uh, for those streams as they get separated out. Um, so, so, Mark, I, I think there's, there's a tremendous amount for you to work with there. Um, yeah, I'd love, love your thoughts on that, too. You, you absolutely gave me a tremendous amount. And, and actually, Darren and Brian, it was interesting. What Darren just went through was actually an evolution of the use of IoT. And it's pointing to why early adopters 
are really positioned to become leaders and are themselves becoming leaders in this, regardless of what business they're in. So what Darren started with was, of course, if we're going to use IoT, we're going to censor things, right? We're, we're going to get measurements. And this is occurring, you know, in the waste management with bins. There are some people that are doing that that's, that are detecting when the bins are full. But if you widen that swath of it, you're, you know, you're also seeing people that are using sensors in products to determine when is that product uh, likely to fail. It hasn't failed yet, but, you know, some behavior that's pointing to it's going to fail. Um, and this, all of this is being used to then tr to trigger a an effect, right? So whether and that effect, the, the counter effect, you know, the reducing truck rolls um, is an intent, right? If it's if it's uh, collecting the waste bins, if it's going out to fill propane tanks, if it's uh, going out to service a, a particular product in a business or or at a home, you know, gaining more data, so you're reducing the truck rolls. You're only doing the pertinent truck rolls, right? But then Darren went one step further. So if you look at what he said, where, well, in this waste bin, let's figure out what's in there. But you're seeing this progression. And this progression is happening because first, you know, companies don't know how we can help them. And, and that's that's natural. But they, they take that step in and, and you do that first step. But you very quickly get data and data is very powerful. Right. So when you first go in there and you see, OK, well, how, how you know, when's the bin full and I can I can empty it. Then the one step further in terms of additional sensors or even the same sensor in terms of, well, how heavy is that been? Maybe you used weight to determine it was full, but now you're figuring out that, well, sometimes it, you know, it gets full, but it's not very heavy. So you can tell what's in there. So this is the additional intelligence that early adopters are starting to gain. And then they're gaining uh, insight into their business, which allows them to really leap um, you know, forward and, and make great strides in becoming leaders in their domain. So that's a lot to think about, Darren and Mark. It sounds like we're not just going to save energy, save resources, and save money, but we might even clean the planet up by recycling smarter when all is said and done. That gets me thinking. So five years from now, if we get back together in this studio and talk about this, what are going to be the big impacts, the things that you're all going to be proud of that we're going to have accomplished using the Internet of Things to address sustainability issues. Mark, why don't you go? Sure. The uh, I think what, what we're going to see over the next five years, and it's going to apply to some of the problems we have for sustainability. So here in California, right, we have a water shortage. Uh, what, are, what we're going to see is as people, as more companies come into this uh, field, the IoT, we're going to see more algorithms coming out in terms of using that data to create intelligence uh, that these companies can use. And, you know, many of those then will either be available from companies that then provide it to other companies or it will be shared openly. Uh, the other thing I think we're going to see that's going to be really interesting is the interoperability play. Rather than having, you know, just a sprinkler uh, or, or just a bin uh, or just a, a thermostat, what we're going to see is interoperability of various things which are connected. And so, again, tying that back with the algorithms, we're then be able to do a much richer impact on the environment, on the usage uh, criteria, whether it's for a business. Uh, but ultimately, we're going to, you know, we're going to start seeing increased savings in terms of energy, in terms of water. Uh, and, it, and I think that's what I'm going to be really proud of is when we when we're, you know, we're assisting getting to there. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Thanks, Mark. Darren, your take five years from now. 
you know, I, I love Mark had mentioned algorithms and, and that excites me too. And there's one specific uh, application for that that I, I found to be of great promise. And I think we'll see it grow out significantly over the next five years. And that's this whole concept of disaggregation. So for instance, uh, there were there were two um, uh, providers that uh, that we highlighted with uh, in the report that I'd written. One was Plotwat and the other was Fluid. Plotwat addresses uh, electrical use within a business, and uh, and Fluid tends to look at the, uh, the the water that you're using not only at home or but also in your in, in your small business as well. And the the nice thing about that is they take this single sort of aggregated feed of information, right? So they know how much total electricity, in this case, Plotwatt would look at, is being used in your business. And they know it by, if you, as you give them the, the increments, look at it by every minute, every 15 minutes, every hour. But essentially, what they've done is they've done the homework on the front end to know that that total, that aggregate number is really just a cumulative total, right, of all the sort of disaggregated information, right? So the, 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 the refrigerator has a certain energy signature. Your air conditioning system has a certain energy signature. The, the freezer in the back, the, uh, the, the deep fryer, I'm thinking about like in a restaurant. So the nice thing is they can track that and they can, through algorithms, be able to break that down into a, a pretty accurate, you know, educated guess, let's say. You get to into kind of that 90% sort of correct and accurate range. And, and it's not because you had to put a lot of hardware in place in the store, you know, across the, uh, across the, the business as a whole. Really, you just need a smart meter attached to, uh, to, to your electrical usage that can provide that kind of very, very timely, very accurate information on the, on the total feed. And then it's the algorithms themselves that get applied to say, all right, this total is, you know, the, the sum total of all these energy signatures along the way. Fluid's much the same way. They know that when you flush your toilet, it has a certain signature. When you're irrigating the lawn, it has a certain signature. When you're, when you're taking a shower, it has a certain signature too, or the dishwasher's running. All of these things can be set up through algorithms to kind of tease out of a single aggregated you know, feed of data all the disparate elements inside there. And again, the beauty of that is the mass adoption that that leads to. Because what you're doing is as you're keeping the hardware costs down and you're investing a little bit more on the soft side, right? A little bit more on the, uh, on, on the software side of the algorithms. That means the cost of deploying those solutions is a fraction of, uh, of the cost of a larger kind of energy management system in place today or one that, that monitors a lot of the water across the business. And that just means it's more accessible to small businesses, more accessible to consumers. And the, the net effect of that is that many more of us are, are operating our businesses efficiently and we're conserving resources in, in our own homes. Thank you both. That's what we're going to see five years from now. Mark Wright, if people want to find you online and learn more about what you're working on, where should they go? The uh, If people go to uh, www.artic.io, that's A-R-T-I-K dot I-O, they can find out uh, more about uh, Samsung Arctic and how we're making it easy for manufacturers to IoT connect their things. Thank you. And Darren, we'll have a link to your report in the show notes. And where can people find you online? Great. Easy to find me on Twitter at Darren Beck, and that's D-A-R-R-E-N-B as in boy, E-C-K. Thank you.
I've been joined today by Mark Wright, Director of Product Management at Samsung Strategy and Innovation Center, and Darren Beck, author of the newly published O'Reilly Report, Smart Business, Scanning an Edge Through IoT-Powered Sustainability. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Darren. Thank you, guys. Good. Bye-bye. And this has been the O'Reilly Hardware Podcast, and I'm Brian Jepson.